to The Truth in This Art. I'm your host, Rob Lee. And today, I'm excited to be in conversation with my next guest, an exceptional artist who seamlessly merges technology, storytelling, and culture to create riveting narratives. She's a pioneer in the world of filmmaking and a vocal advocate for her Quechua heritage, a compelling figure whose groundbreaking work redefines the art scene filmmaking, storytelling, and technology. My guest's film, La Lucha, will have its uh, world premiere at the Black Star Film Festival in Philadelphia. Please welcome the incredible Violeta Yala. Well, thank you for joining us for this this podcast today. Um, appreciate you you making the time. This is uh, truly a privilege. You have a Wikipedia page. I don't have one. I'm <laughs> so right there, I feel like I've classed up the joint. Um, but before we dive into the main topics, I want to give you the the space. I think there's a lot of value in in sharing, like you know, letting, allowing the guests to say who they are, how they define themselves. Uh, I've had folks on who will say, "I'm an entrepreneur," and that's not what their bio says. They they deem themselves as something else. Um, so I'd like to give that space, and then I have some sub questions, but I at least want to start off there. You know, give us give us sort of the the intro pitch. Um, to begin with, I would like to pay my respect to the indigenous people in which land I'm standing on today. They were, are, and forever be the guardians of this land. My name is Violeta Ayala. Um, I consider myself today a futurist, a weaver. I weave stories, I weave ideas, I weave mediums, I weave technology, with narratives, I think that I'm also a film architect and in a sense, narrative architect that is trying to go away from this idea that um, so small and colonized idea of what film is, it's only hundred years old. It's so young as a medium. So I'm trying to, uh, in a sense, break those stereotypes and I believe that storytelling uh, went for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. My people arrived here 22,000 years ago. Um, so I think that the way that we pass the stories uh, was through through fabric, uh, through the kipus that were destroyed, but like through many ways that 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 happened, you know what I mean? So I think that today I, I, I see film a little bit as an evolving medium. Yeah. And I think I'm a film architect, a film futurist, uh, like a weaver in a sense. Um, I love that. That's that's better than what I could have done. So thank you. I'm going to steal that. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm talking to a weaver here. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so you stepping back a little a little bit, um, I, I always like to look at like, what was that initial spark? Like the initial spark to, you know, pursue creativity, to pursue art, to pursue like filmmaking, storytelling. What was like that spark for you and specifically to explore like impactful themes in, you know, documentary format? I always, since I was a little girl, I understood and I view the world in a very different way. I am on the spectrum. Um, so I was always different, like, and I always knew that I was different. And so I knew that I couldn't, ever have like a nine to five job or the, those those types of things because I wouldn't succeed. Like the school for me was really difficult in terms of not on academic terms, but 
and not even on the social terms, but in a structural way of schooling. And when the teachers didn't want to explain you why the, where this formula is coming from. And I went to school in Bolivia and and it's the same now in Australia, wherever, or in the or in the US or in Paris or wherever my daughter goes to school, like wherever we are. So it's the same thing, it's a structure and it's a very old way to understand the world and education. Um, I believe it's not like having knowing to read and write doesn't make you a better person, doesn't even make you a smarter person, to be brutally honest. I think education is bigger than those kind of walls. So since I was very little, I was really different. Yet on my reality, I never imagined um like if film wasn't on my reality. My grandfather was uh, one of the founders of the Confedera Confederation of um, Indigenous Workers in Bolivia. Yeah. And uh, he spent in prison many, many years fighting for our rights, even like 10 years in prison for the rights of Indigenous people even to vote or to be able to go to school. So my reality was completely different. I didn't even have ideas like that. My grandfather made all of his kids to become doctors because that's what indigenous people people in the countryside in Bolivia needed like because they didn't accept us in hospitals it was difficult so I come from a family of doctors in a, in, in that way right yeah. and my reality had nothing to do with with film yet I always loved art and when I was young I went um my last year of high school um for another things like I, my life is always a series of things. One of my uncles ended up being an ambassador for the European Union, and he was in uh, living in Belgium. So I spent one year in Belgium, going to the European Union school, a very like sophisticated private. Uh, I think Boris Johnston was in that school. <laughs> so, but it had nothing to do with my reality again. So then I start. I went and I visited like this university called Lovaina, and I saw like uh, I re I remember I became an, an anarchist at the time, and I wanted to do theater and art, but then it wasn't my reality. So I went back to Bolivia, and in Bolivia I started doing communications. I really didn't like it. So I and then my mother died, and my life completely changed, and um, I was quite young. I finished high school when I was fifteen and a half. Um, so I like, and then my father lived in Australia. So I wanted to go and, and meet my dad and, and have some connection to that kind of thing. So I ended up, I came here to the States first. I lived in Chicago for a year, then ended up in Australia. And then, um, I wanted to study, study theater and media. And I realized that it wasn't, um, it wasn't like, it wasn't what I wanted either. Yeah. And then I was already at, at school because I was lucky that I had papers. I was lucky that I wasn't like because of my father and my grandmother, I had an Australian citizenship. So I could go to uni. And then I ended up um, changing to journalism because I wanted to speak English properly and I wanted to be able to write. So because this is what was interest, interesting to me at the time. Yeah. One day I came late to a class called um, editing. Yeah. something to do with editing in, in in and they didn't let me in but it was like a glass and I saw the teacher like teaching them how to edit in Final Cut Pro that moment I understood how you make a film mm. I was fascinated and from that moment on at the university I went and I borrowed cameras 
I filmed during the day. I went every night at university and I started cutting and editing. I understood already how to make a film. And I never looked back. So it was like from that moment that even my computer had my name in the end at the university because I always was in that computer. And I had to do a teamwork. But my my classmates didn't want to, they didn't have the same passion or the same, look, everything I do, I do with 150% of me because of my neurodiversity, all right? So I concentrate and I, that nothing else matters for me in the world. Absolutely nothing else matters for me in the world on that moment in time, yeah. right? So like I, I self-train myself and I told my teacher that this, my classmates don't take this seriously. So I want to do everything on my own. He said like, but I'm going to, like you're going to do the job of six. And I said, yeah, it's okay. And I actually did. And I ended up making a short and this short, what another teacher sent it to a contest, a competition, and I ended up winning. It was called Film Politics and Learning. It was a five-minute thing, and uh, it was shown in New York, London, and Sydney. And from then on, I was invited to go with a team to document them in Papua New Guinea. I wasn't. I didn't really like it. Then I was thinking about uh, uh, becoming a video journalist for a while, and and and. Soon, as soon as I finished university, before I even finished university, um, I was in a theater troupe in Sydney, and I met a guy who worked um, at SBS. I was also working at SBS, like doing some an internship. Yeah. And the next thing, we were on a plane to Mauritania um, to uncover an Australian oil company committing corruption, and that landed me a nomination for the Walkley Awards that I didn't win that year, but it was the first time. And I had my article published in the first uh, page of the Sydney Morning Herald. So my father, a working class man, I was like so happy because I haven't even finished uni and already had like this, this success in a way. Yeah. I never looked back. I never, I was never afraid. I started asking for funding. So I said, I have nothing to lose. So I started writing up an application for the next thing I wanted to do. And I got it. Like I got $5,000 for research. Yeah. And I we bought two flights, me and Dan Fall show, my partner forever. And we were in our next flight in Mauritania and then to the Sahara. And then uh, that happened almost 20 years ago. So <laughs> like 17 years ago, something like that. So my first film premiere tip uh, in 2009, right? Yeah. So I, it's like a friend of mine said to another friend, but what happened to her doesn't happen to us. Like, <laughs> like my first film was in Toronto. Like my first film went crazy. It was very controversial and um, it's called Stolen. And then... Like I almost never look back yeah. and and I kept going and I it's like I don't I, I almost don't plan anything in my life. Well I almost just go with the flow in a sense. And yeah. See, and I, and I, I think you and I are in the same astrological sign, I feel. I feel like you're in you're an Aquarius, I think. Yeah. I, well, you're the very I'm at the very beginning. Um, but so I, I definitely relate to to many of the things that you you touched on, and you're making my job easier because it's like you've answered like three of my questions already. So shout out to you. Um, but it is one of those things where when you're you're seeing like sort of 
the effort and the interest that you have in your work and how you're approaching it. And you're like, I don't see anyone else going to put this in it, but this sort of level of interest, time, dedication, focus to this, or even have the level of interest in it. And, you know, me doing this, this is a one man show. You know, I bring on the guests, I book the guests, I, you know, work with the editor, all of that different stuff. And, you know, people ask me like, how do you, how do you get so much done? Because this is what I'm fixed on. This is what I'm hooked on. And it is sort of this answering this question and, you know, like, People talk about different cities. I'm in Baltimore. They talk about different communities. They talk about different groups of people whose art matters, whose stories matter. And I'm like, I need to be the person to take whatever background I have in doing this, being self-taught and helping folks share their stories. That's really what the point of it is. At the end of the day, that's what I'm hoping to do. And, um, you know, last year I was doing one of these per day. I was putting out one of these per day and people will say, how did you put out 300 plus episodes? I was like, I don't know, hard work, you know, interest and wanting to disprove people who say black and brown people, their stories don't matter or creatives that do this. It doesn't matter. I, I dispute that. And I'm showing this work to dispute that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's 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 interesting because you know what I mean um everything is changing so fast the world in 10 years won't be the world that is today absolutely different completely different like we're living in through this this mad mad technological revolution and I think social media has changed a lot of things also of how we understand and see the world today and um so for me well, in the beginning, um, I didn't even like. I always say that I always, I never know what, what I want, but I know what I don't want. I'm very clear about it. Like, like even when when making a film, yeah, I never know what I want, but I I absolutely know what I don't want. Like I can say no, that doesn't work. That's not like straight away. I like it's like an instinct. Like I know I don't know what I want, but I know that that's not what I like. <laughs> so, like one story took me to the next story. Sometimes I I was making two stories at the same time, and and that's a very similar process happened for La Lucha. Like it yeah. wasn't it wasn't. Um, it wasn't something that it was planned. Like it wasn't something that I was planning to do. And I went and looked for funding and, and wrote a script. And it had nothing to do with that. Like I was finishing another film that actually was much more planned. Probably Cocaine Prison is my more planned film uh, because I wanted to make it. And I and I devised it a lot more. And uh, people with disabilities were actually protesting two blocks away from my house. Mm. Uh, in the plaza, but I didn't take much attention until they start hanging uh, the wheelchairs, suspending them onto the bridges. Yeah. And a friend of mine called me and said, you have to come. He promised them that he will bring me. And I went in and I took a picture uh, with me and them and my daughter and put it on Facebook. And then a lot of people started contacting contacting me and then this filmmaker um colleague of mine Jane Brea um that uh she kind of said oh you know if she was in on a wheelchair at the time 
and said laughingly, he said, if, I, if, I, if I was in this situation, I'll be making a film about it. And she actually raised money to support them a little bit, like to support them. And we bought some wheelchairs. And the next thing is like they called me and they were like in the like maybe two or three days later, they were in the highway and they heard that they will be uh, putting back in trucks by the government and they didn't want to. So they called me and they said, you have to come. And we're like, I remember Dan, like Dan and Fernando and Andres driving in the middle of the night. Um, and then me calling uh, like all of these activists and Maria Galindo and uh, the ministers and saying that will be embarrassment, blah, blah, blah. So then just, just one thing led to the other. The next thing we knew we were walking with the protesters. <laughs> to La Paz. The next thing you knew is like you're camping in La Paz. The next thing you, you knew is like you're, you're in the middle of this and it's becoming more serious every day. Yeah. And and the film is never ending or like the story is never ending. And then the whole story is worth more than even the film in a sense for me. And yeah, and one thing led to the other. And, yeah. and then here we are seven years later, we made a feature film. Um, a year later, we made a short that was published by The Guardian that actually changed and helped them to get what what people wanted. So it, it wasn't what they were asking, no? And so, um, yeah, it was, it was, I think that what I said in La Lucha yeah. is that already, I was already there. I was already in a point in my career where I know how to follow characters. I know how I knew how to. Um, I, we had experience to do this, in a sense. So, um, so, uh, and I and I definitely want to like we're we're going to talk about La Lucha a bit more, but um, definitely want to take a little bit of a step back and um, talk about sort of that that intersection. Like you know, I you know I have this background you know, self-taught in podcasting and editing and all of that stuff. But also I'm like an IT person. Like I work in data daily and people are like, that is a wild combination. And I'm looking at yours, which put, puts minds to shame. It's just like technologist, weaver, uh, writer, filmmaker, artist, uh, you're multi-hyphenate. And I find that very like fascinating. Like in, in which ways, like, do do you find them intersecting? And I and I And I think I got a sense of it earlier when you were touching on like, I mean, I know exactly what I want, but I know what I don't want. I felt that. I felt all of that. So how did those sort of like multiple like approaches and, and, and philosophies and, and sort of skill sets kind of combine to you building out like a movie and, and maybe a framework? It may not be a set structure, but a framework. So I started to become curious uh, maybe five to six years ago. And um, I started to become curious, but I wasn't very, very curious just yet. And then um, I started watching VR stuff, virtual reality, and I hated it. I thought this is really like, it's like, it's gimmicky in the beginning. That was my feeling mm -hmm. for a while until uh, a friend of mine showed me Tilbrush. And Tilbrush is where you can paint and create a world. And the moment that that happened, I said, write in this paper, please, like in a little paper, write which computer I need, what I need, what headset I need. Because actually I had a grant. So Tribeca, a few years at the time, put together a, a group of uh, filmmakers that they thought that they would be interested in this. 
or, and gave us a grant. And on those ones is these big guys that come from France, actually, the, the bigger, uh, uh, they now have distribution company. They now have a, like, Acnoa Collinard and Amari Lebert. Um, so Yasmine El Ayat, so all of those techies came from this group, okay? So we were in New York. We, we came actually um, to the to the outside of New York, upstate New York, and we had like a, and I, I just had a baby. So nine years ago, look, not even like nine years ago. So I just had a baby. So I was in all this and I wasn't so sure until one of my colleagues showed me that. And the moment that he showed me that, I said, because I had a grant and I and I was about to give it back my grant because I'm like not interested in this. And then I said, no, 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 I can't do this. So I actually, uh, talked to a friend of mine that was a very good artist. I explained her she needed money, so I kind of we started it. And then we were going kind of slowly because I was doing so many things at the same time. And then um, 2020, um, I was back in Australia after being in Bolivia in 2019 and 2018. Uh, Bolivia was going through a very, very difficult um, political period. So I landed in Sydney and then uh, the fires were going in Sydney. So like, it was like full of, like the year that Australia got burned. Yeah. And I was in the city center the day I arrived. And like, I had to run with my child because it was so scary because like, it, like dust and, and um, was coming. And then COVID happened. I went to San Dan's that year. Um, they invited me as to talk to, um, I was one of the guests of uh, panelists about designing the future and all of these things yeah. about uh, by the MacArthur Foundation. And then I came back and that's it. I couldn't travel. I couldn't do anything. COVID hit, Australia closed its borders. Um, you needed permission to travel out of Australia by the government. And I could get a permission, but not my daughter. Hmm. So that's it. What I do now. And I was kind of... Um, so I had Prison X. Luckily, I started that project. So I was at that point where, like, what I do now? <laughs> and actually, that kept my sanity. And because my life changed completely. Yeah. Um. And a lot of perspectives of my my own beliefs also changed um, after that Sundance because. Uh, we had a lot of issues with racism that year uh, with um, Sabah Falayan and Asia Bundawi, my colleagues. And I start having this really like, I'm thinking, I don't want to keep trying to fix the system that is broken. I don't care. We have to build our own. So everything started to change on my on my own perspective. I did a, this, this DNA test and... I come from the oldest people that inhabit the Americas. I can trace back 22,000 years ago uh, where my, from my grandmother's line, maternal grandmother's line, when they crossed the Bering Strait, uh, we live in the North uh, and only 200 years, we ran back or 500 years, we ran back to the South where it makes, so I started to, to, to put myself in a different position and it has a lot, and for the first time, in 15 years, I had time to think. I had time to sit down and think and saying, what are you doing? What are you trying to prove? What's happening? And also I was bored. So I started learning semantic coding. I started learning um, artificial intelligence. I started like 
I didn't want to make Prison X as a, I didn't, and yeah, of course, I, I was working with a lot of people, but I didn't want to make something that I don't understand how you make it. And then I realized how early I was in this picture. I realized that people didn't even know, like, like everything is making it. Everything was happening then. Like, even about uh, crypto and Ethereum, I was happening. Like, like I, I really dived in. But I also learned to create characters, 3D characters out of nothing. Like I started making puppets myself and like do 3D scanner, uh, putting a body, make them walk. And I start really got very interested in animation. And I self-trained, like I start learning. So those two years of COVID were fundamental in what I'm doing today and how I understand uh, the creation of image today. Then I realized that even like a film with a beginning, middle and middle and end um i said we are defined what is in the film but we are not defined the form this is still a colonialistic tool like why should be like that and i start like designing my own editing suite i design designing my own editing system um with like i like i created my own way um so i i started to question and challenge a lot more and I was going a thousand miles an hour so it it, it gave me a big um understanding of the creation of image that is today um it gave me a big how can I say I realized that film is not going to be what is today it's an evolving medium Right. And I realized that communication is not what it used to be. And also I realized my own role in here, like uh, before social media, like making a film was giving a voice to people who didn't have a voice or telling a story or like finding my own voice in a sense. Yet when social media exploded, everybody could tell their own stories. And even in Bolivia, like we have Albertina Sakaka, a girl from uh, a TikToker and like who is amazing and who tells the stories in Quechua from her own communities and has more than a million, I think she has 10 million followers. And then I realized uh, that when people watch 60 minutes of TikTok or 90 minutes of Instagram stories, what you're doing is like you're starting to watch things from different people, a lot of little pieces from different people. So your brain does this neurocognition, like this linking. Yeah hyperlinking so when they show you a movie made by one author you find it boring because your brain is not working as much as it was working when you choose what to watch and from different people so then i start realizing all of these things and i'm thinking this is changing really fast um i really like we are living different times and i wanted to be in the middle of that and i really wanted to understand and Today, I am actually training my own AI models. What means that I am creating my own AI models to um, to train film. So we, what I create is not this standardized version of things that uh, that everybody is is fighting against. Maybe I'm fighting against, but in a different way by training my own AI models with uh, pictures with film. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also training my own. Um, writing models i i want to create a, a feminist ai um with a lot of women a lot of feminist women from around the world so uh 
I realized that it wasn't enough yeah. to fight what what comes in a phone. It's like, okay, these people are giving us or allowing us to tell our own stories when this is almost gone. Mm-hmm. I don't want, uh, huh, they're really smart. I'm not that stupid. I don't want that. I'm going to really create our own models, create our own ways and 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 defy the architecture of that. I like I like that so much. I, I that, that's, a, that's a really good point you were, you were making there at the end. And like like I'm sitting here like as a fan now because you know outside of even being an interviewer as a fan now, and that like yeah once you know sort of hey there's access and you can come in and share your story. It's like yeah because you don't want it anymore. And I think that sort of period that 2020 to 2021. You know, I know I was sitting here trying to learn different things to make myself more efficient and better at what I was doing. But I had, as you were touching on, sort of time to think and, you know, seeing that, you know, having all of this influx of more and more folks wanting to share their story and more and more folks getting into this space. I'm like, this has become crowded. What am I doing that's going to be different from it? How am I separating myself and how am I keeping what makes this interesting and precious and what keeps me like curious about it. How do I keep that going without falling into those different traps that are set up by the invisible hand? And a lot of time it's a colonial hand. Oh yeah, this is what you need to do. Scale at 10 X. And it's like, this isn't my story. This is not what I want to do, nor the reason why I want to do it. There has to be meaning and inspiration behind that. Now that is a $2 segue into my next question. <laughs> for, 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 for those who are on undev- you, you touched on it a bit earlier. And I, I know that we're, you know, Premier is forthcoming, but um, could you tell us what is La Lucha? Can you give us like an overview to the degree in which you can? Because, you know, you want to give away all the details, all the magic, but um, give us sort of the the rundown. And, you know, you touched a bit on the inspiration, but, you know, like here's the La Lucha chunk. Mm-hmm. La Lucha, it's a docu- It's a 90 minutes documentary. It's a historical document about the longest protest by people with disabilities uh, in the world, or that the longest protest that was documented, uh, and it follows a a fight of people with disabilities asking uh, a government, the government of Evo Morales at the time, for a pension, uh, a disability pension, a human right, and it starts in Cochabamba, my city, and they actually walk through the Andes, uh, roll the wheelchairs all the way to La Paz, 360 uh, kilometers. I don't know in miles, but it's <laughs> 360 kilometers in miles. It's like 800 uh, miles. <laughs> yes. And, and it took them 35 days. They camp in every little, uh, every night they have to like set camps and then they keep going. Um, I was thinking that when they get to La Paz, uh, the film will finish, but actually the film just starts. And um, I never imagined what, was to happen, you become like a a real uh, David versus Goliath type of story. And it it documents the whole march, but it centers in four leaders, uh, very charismatic leaders like uh, Marcelo Vasquez, Felisa, um, Marcelo and Felisa are a couple, and then Miguel Mamani is a very young guy who is from Potosí, and then Rosemary Guarita that is from Cochabamba. And she's a street vendor, so she sells things on the streets in Cocha, and they're all in wheelchairs. And uh, it's it's a it's a long fight. 
it's a fight where you think uh, you will cry and you will laugh. Um, we shot 500 hours um, because we were there all the time with two cameras. And um, we also made a short film. I also went to Geneva with Rosemary Guarita and we actually took uh, presenting a, like a shadow report and and the United Nations, uh, we put a lot of political pressure. I don't want to tell the story, you know, but yeah, yeah. we put a lot of political pressure. Um, so, so a lot of things happen and, and a lot of things change in Bolivia for people with disabilities, thanks to um, to the fight of uh, the activists and the people, the protesters, and also our work. So I'm very proud of the film. Um, I'm very proud of the fact that the film already has had. And um, yeah, it's 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 beautiful. Um, it's well crafted. Um, in in a it's, it. it it talks about it doesn't have this yellow filter and it's a film that does not speak about why you have a disability or why a character has a disability that's beyond the point like it's about it's a it's a film that looks at this issue with a lot of dignity yeah. and from the inside and changes these paradigms and also shows like um, that the intersectionality, you know what I mean? Um, because like there are problems with the boys wanting to have more attention, uh, that all, all, all of these things still exist. And also how a government becomes deaf in a sense, didn't want to listen to the people with disabilities asking for a human right. But it, 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 it shows you why and shows you more than tells you, I think, um, the music is beautiful. Um, it was crafted by a Quechua composer called uh, Hankel Bellido. It's the first time that he's done this. So I'm incredibly proud. He's from Peru. Um, and um, it took it took a long time to come together because as I said, when COVID hit, we were editing in Sydney. And I said, I can't edit this from here. That's not the way I'm supposed to do. Yeah. So as soon as the borders opened, we went back to Bolivia, we ended up. Um, I suppose not to say this for ITVs, right? Uh, but but I ended up like like Rosemary Guarita, one of the main characters of the film, said to me, "That scene is too long. Why don't you put this?" And the characters become like it's a film made with the community for the community about the community. So the process was a lot longer, and the process was harder because it had we had to reach consensus rather than. Um, me making all of the decisions, all of the creative decisions or narrative decisions, what in a sense I think makes much gives a complex adds a complexity to the film and adds a narrative layer. And also it's defining again a new narrative language um, of telling a story uh, with a lot of points of views and, mm -hmm. and trying to keep as one uh trying to keep as one as a whole <laughs> yeah it's it it sounds one i'm looking forward to it uh it sounds uh collaborative and you know with the people that are like 
the sort of like points in in the story that are being you know their story is being covered and you're helping bring light and facilitating and bringing attention to the story so having them involved in sort of that process of like all right i guess i guess we're gonna sit down and edit this together guys it's it's i think that's you're right and you know it's like no this is this is the way and you know i, I was doing an interview be, before we got started and you know, I was describing doing this, this long, long podcast as this is a collaborative project. This isn't me just saying this is how I think, you know, art works or creativity works and so on. I want to invite and encourage folks to to share their ideas and their stories and, you know, try to make it a dialogue versus this is what I think it is. I, I am a flawed person like anyone is. I have a perspective like anyone is. And it but I think keeping myself honest and being within the community and not like speaking for the community. I think that's really important. So I got two real questions left. And, okay. and, and one is another of those $2 segues I talked about. Okay. Um, what do you think the role of arts, uh, it, that's, that's filmmaking, that's documentary, it's all of it. What do you think that, that that's the role that it plays in society and like, what do you hope to contribute um, in, with, within that role? Like some people say art's supposed to make people angry, art's supposed to inspire, art's supposed to inform. And I'm being very broad in art. What do you think the role of art plays in society and how do you you know, want to contribute? Mm -hmm. For a very long time, I never wanted to call myself an artist because I thought artist was an eligible word. And I was a very white um, supremacy word that was like um I don't want art that is inside four walls in a gallery or or like I had like a very strong aversion of this to this word. Um that has changed because I think that we can reappropriate and also grow and and for me art that does not produce something for me that's not art that's a wank. You know I call it a rich people's wank. And because rich people don't even know how to wank, I don't know. It's a bit stupid. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I believe that um, each to their own in a sense. But for me, it, it has to move me. I have to remember. I have to feel something about it. It has to make me happy, sad, angry. It has to provoke an emotion because mm. if it doesn't, then what is the point? It needs to open my mind. It needs to question me. It needs to make me self-critical to what I'm seeing. And um, and because everything is changing so fast, the creation of film is not going to be like, like it is today. Like things will be rendered in real time. We're approaching that. We're already... We're already there at the beginning of that, really early on, but we're there. Like we are actually at the beginning of this creation. Mm. So what will happen is that in documentary filmmaking, I think we're not discussing the things that we're supposed to be discussing is what what will be the difference. Okay, because you can create everything, you'll be able to render in real time. So what will be the role of documentary filmmaking and artificial intelligence? Would you be able to recreate things? And this is something that is fundamental for the future, because if you're supposed to be recording what's happening in real life, then we have to start thinking about a set of rules and regulations that we, we need to talk about it. And I don't want to put 
um, there there will be documentaries and documentaries, and I don't I hate to put boxes over yeah. anything, right? But I think even with news, how are we going to differentiate? Just a little case that happened: the UNICEF in Norway use some um, AI generated photos to uh, bring attention to a conflict that was happening in in Colombia about po police violence. And actually I tweeted and I and a lot of people also tweeted and saying that's not correct because you are using AI of something that is really happening, that you got the real pictures, that you can pay the photographers, you can pay the people, and it's not about the money, but it's actually you are defeating the purpose and you are actually uh, and and they they deleted it, okay. But I just wanted to put as an example that like, the you like, we're talking about. I'm, I don't remember who saved the children or the UNICEF, but was one of those these big organizations doing sure. it, right? So I think that 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 will be the role of documentary. I think that will be really about having this community, having this um, truth to it, in a sense, like what we will be recording in real time and we'll be editing in real time and we'll be delivering in real time, but we'll have that difference to um, fiction, I guess. Oh, yeah. That's my, that's my uh, maybe, maybe my educated guess, right? It's going to go wild. So I don't even know what's going to happen. So I think we, we will have, we will see this multi, like the way of, the capacity of having ideas, the capacity of doing this in real time, all this will supersede technology because technology is becoming a tool and is becoming a tool that is making things easier. So the power of the ideas is going to go over the power of how difficult it is to make that idea a reality, right? Yeah. And so this will be the big difference. So the people who have those ideas, the people will be able to express those ideas in a really fast way without having to have those very expensive tools and years and years of university and very expensive way of um there is a there is many gatekeepers and those gatekeepers in a sense um will disappear and will change like a lot of things will change what what we face what we face is a techno authoritarianism and the way that the standardization if you think about it Facebook is standardizing us because you just have a square and you just can put the picture that you want, but in that square. And when when AI, if you see, if you use ChatGPT, mm. for everybody, like you have to train your own model to be able to have beautiful writing. If not, everybody start reading the same. I remember I gave an interview and I just did it in ChatGPT myself, like a <laughs> conversation of something that I just won. And I realized that the other three girls did the same. And the three <laughs> little pieces that we, that we say kind of sound, sound similar, you know, we are or we are too in tune or the three of us have used ChatGPT and that in five minutes because, and I'm not criticizing that because I'm saying that for anything that I need to write that is of value, mm -hmm. I'll get my own. But for all the bullshit writing, I'm going to use AI because what's the point of wasting my time writing that that don't matter anyway don't matter for you and don't matter for me when you ask me to to do kpis and things like this i don't care like and you don't care so you just you're following in a formula 
So you, I can use AI to, to put that formula in, but for things that matter that you need to think, then, then you need to use your creativity. So it's going to free our time for a little while, mm-hmm. free our time to, to spend in things that really matter. Right. So, so this concept of art is also changing. The concept of how we create art is changing. The concept of how we're going to make movies is changing. Yes, there is a big strike and I support the strike. However, when we think about photography, photography comes a lot from extraction, extractivism. A lot of photographers aren't even paintings, even Van Gogh. They went to Haiti and actually inspired and produce work. And we never got benefits out of it, uh, photography uh, in Bolivia, perhaps. A lot of indigenous women and men were photographed uh, through years and years and years. And these photographers made a lot of money out of, and never even asked permission sometimes. And when my grandfather died, he was photographed by Getty Images. And when I wanted the photograph, um, they wanted to charge me $500 uh, for his funeral. Like I wanted that photograph because it was nice. Right. But I felt like, okay, right. Like, why is my right as a photographer to benefit when I take a photo of you, but not your right of you, the talent, to also um, benefit of this transaction? Right. So I think that that we are redefining all of these things. At the moment, there's not a winner. There's no one that is controlling artificial intelligence. As much as Sam Alman want to say that uh, OpenAI, yeah, OpenAI is, is out there. Yeah. But competition is brutal and it will become brutal by the day. So, and then we also have the independence. We can create our own networks today. I have the potential to create my network um, of, with my friends or my with my own system because that's what semantic coding is giving me. Um, we all can do that, and we can all define ways how we want this network. And the more that we understand this, the more that we'll benefit. Because if you think about it, Facebook, we create a content for them, right? Yes. But they don't even pay us. So they don't even have to pay access or anything. We create a content for them. And they even charge us to actually share our own content that we're creating from them. Facebook, their system is not worth today. I can build a system like Facebook myself. What it's worth is the people that are yeah. inside the system, right? So I think in that sense, that's how I see the role of art. It's an evolving matter. It's a changing matter. I think that we can be so square and say art is this um, today because it's going to be changing really, really fast. Thank you. And I love hearing things that I've been ranting about said to me by someone much more talented than me. So that's great. Thank you for saying all of the things I've been saying for the last (laughs) eight months. Uh, So that's that's really great. and um, I want to move into these these rapid fire questions real quick, and then we'll we'll close out because I want to you know still hammer across the the point about Black Star Film Festival and La Lucha, all of that. Um, but I want to hit you with these rapid fire questions, and then we'll we'll wrap up. All right. So I like to tell people, and I always tell people, don't overthink these. They're ridiculous questions. They're goofy questions, but they're fun questions. Um, <laughs> if you could have one superpower. What would it be? The power of questioning. Okay. Um, now this is this is this is the next one. This is the next one. Um, my my understanding, and you know, I did a film here and there. Uh, worked on it in, when I was a lot younger. Uh, it's it can be long hours, especially even doing podcasts, long hours. 
I always look for a comfort meal. What is that comfort meal for you? What what food do you look for after a long, like strenuous day, shooting, editing, anything of the sort? What meal do you like? Yeah, this is great. This makes me happy. It's called anticuchos. I love it. Uh, it's like how hot. It's a Bolivian meal. Uh, you, you eat with peanut, a peanut, a hot sauce of peanut and yuca or papa or potato. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I adore it and I miss it a lot. And when I don't have that, I I, I eat uh, sushi. <laughs> See, look, I haven't had dinner yet. So you're giving me, <laughs> giving me suggestions. Um, what um, if you if it was only one word, what's the word that you would use to describe your work, your body of work thus far? You know, what is that one word? You know, I definitely the fight. You're you're definitely you're, you. You give people's attention, which I I really dig, and that's been from, you know, that that initial film through now. That's what I'm seeing from doing this research and even having this conversation with you. We you know, rebel rebel. I love it. Um, what is the word you would use for your for your work so far? Experimental. And this is the last one, and I might be remiss if I'm asking you this because I'm looking at your um, your handle currently. Is there an animal that you relate to, like for, whether it be how they're depicted, personality? What was the animal? Jaguar. I'm the jaguaress, so yes, <laughs> I love jaguars. Yeah, I'm a yes, jaguar. you are. <laughs> I love it. I'm an alligator. It's just I don't know. I, I get swampy, get sticky. Uh, <laughs> so I, I want I want to. Um, one, thank you for, for coming on to this podcast and, and chatting with me. This has been just a delight and, um, I mean, just a lot, a lot to to learn from. I, I really just, like I said, you know, I, I was hearing just stuff that just sounds so familiar, but definitely a, a different perspective in it. And I mean, I'm just looking forward. I'm just looking forward. And from there, um, I want to also invite and encourage you to in these final moments to give that pitch, you know, um, you know, tell us about like where folks can see the film, the debut, Black Star, all of that good stuff in these final moments. The floor is yours. OK, so La Lucha is going to premiere tomorrow, um, not tomorrow, on Thursday night. It will be the world premiere in a cinema at the Black Star Film Festival. Uh, from there on, um, it's going to it's going to broadcast um, nationwide by PBS World Channel next year, and um, we're having a big uh, outreach campaign that actually was funded after um, after it's been um, shown it's, it's been disclosed that will be a Black Star Film Festival, and I think Black Star Film Festival it is what a film festival in the future should be. I think it's it's, it's this changing of paradigms again um, that, that, you know, festivals are dying. Because for me, I wanted to premiere at Black Star for one big reason. And that reason is that I didn't want the middle-class white person um, going to see the film from an outsider's point of view and and seeing as an, as objects, as objects of like, you know, um, like so so apart from the people and the fight of the people so i wanted to to premiere in a festival that is so close home and it's tied in community and it's also that has a programmer that is only programming for this festival because what's happening in the world now the same programmer that is 70 or 60 years old sorry i'm i'm not an ageist but the same person that's been doing this job for 50 years programs for 10 20 festivals 
So they're curators. They actually watching. They actually deciding what you watch, even when you actually make the effort to go to a film festival and you believe it's independent. This is being curated by the same people. So they are the gatekeepers of this industry. And they're all pretty much white and male. Like they yes, yes, they sometimes employ some other people, but this is a because we've been fighting so hard saying that. So the programmer of, of, of Toronto is the programmer of Doc New York City, is the programmer of like, oh, was until a year ago and is and is the programmer of all of these other festivals, the same as Sundance. So they are boring. I'm bored of the programming because I don't want to keep watching the same things over and over. And I also think this is the difference um, why it makes me so happy to come something uh, like Black Star when I have a programmer that I haven't even read her name ever before that is so rooted in community that it was built not by a corporation behind today, but it or by a celebrity, but by a woman that belongs to the people, like like by Maori Caramel that belongs to the people, and she worked hard her way to build what she's building. And these little, this these little pearls is is what what matters for tomorrow. Because like at the end of the day, uh, white supremacy and the system wants us to be independent, wants us to be me, 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 me. And you know why? That's killing us. And that's the past. We need community more than ever. And tomorrow, it doesn't matter. I'm going to die and I will be forgotten. What I don't want it to be forgotten, it's the way of my people, the way that my people think, the fights of my people, the way that we understand the world, the way that we see the world, the way that we speak Quechua and Aymara and all of these languages that we speak in Bolivia, the way that we understand each other and we build societies, and the way that here, like the, the African-American community and the amazing visual identity they they, they forging and they forge and was always stolen by the white men and, and, and used as fashionable, but it, it, it doesn't have a heart. And you know, this idea of a movie with a beginning, middle, and an L and end is boring. It's boring. And you think that is what you like is because you're being fed that, but that's not true. So I want everybody, like in a sense, yes, I, of course, I'm going to leave to decolonize myself. This is a journey. Of course, I was born colonized. And of course, I'm going to die fighting against it. However, I invited to come and see La Lucha with an open heart and an open mind to see this journey and to follow this journey uh, that is gonna go bigger than just a film. Like the film will be a historical document that it will be a tool for the people, yet a tool for the protesting, a tool for protesting, a tool for fighting the system and winning and beating the system. La Lucha is a tool. La Lucha will, will show you what it, what you have to sacrifice because that's what it matters. At the end of the day, doesn't matter who I am, but it, what it matters is the aguayos that I'm going to weave, the aguayos that my people weave. That's what it matters in the end. And I think this is what um, I think the Black Film Festival, Black Star Film Festival, will is is a seat is a pearl in this in this in this sinking oceans of 
film festivals today. I think everything that you're doing, all of this narrative that you're building and you're creating, all of this, um, because you're making films every day when you do a podcast, because we you're creating narratives, not film, but a communication narrative, a, an experience. You are creating these experiences. That's what it matters, that, that, that you're using the tools that we have today to fight against a system that won't control you. And I think this is very, very important. Thank you. <laughs> and there you have it, folks. I want to again thank the great Viola Tayala for coming on to the podcast and uh, sharing some time with me. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art, culture, community in and around your neck of the woods. You've just got to look for it. Mm-hmm.